Welcome to Ticket Splitters, a Grassroots Midwest podcast. My name is Seth Burrows. I am the Outreach Coordinator here at Grassroots Midwest, and today I am joined on the podcast with Brian Town, who is the owner-operator of Michigan Creative, a digital marketing firm here in Lansing. Brian, welcome. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. So I... I first met you in 2016. I had come to do some voiceover work for a, for a campaign at your old yep. office, and it immediately took me back to my time as a college DJ and sort of a basic production worker at Michigan State, um, and it, it was always, I was really fascinated with your setup, and, and um, it just sort of gave me that nostalgic feeling of, of working in a hands-on environment, but when I hear marketing now, to me, I have a real basic understanding of what that is. But if you were to quiz me in depth about the marketing, digital marketing, I I fail miserably. So <laughs> right. can you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and what your firm and your team does over at uh, Michigan Creative? Yeah, we struggled with that, Seth, too. I, I like how you, you know, the nostalgia of it, too. And I used to be a DJ and, and at University of Alabama back in the day, Roll Tide. Um, <laughs> that was my first thing. And, you know, honestly, Seth, I thought, I thought that my career was going to go down the radio path. And, um, I transferred to Michigan state and got more involved in the television side of it right. and the TV production, which I'm glad I did and film the film side of it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, podcasting for me and coming back to do podcasts and voiceover just kind of brings me back to that old radio days. And we were still playing CDs. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, CDs and are, mini discs. Are, yeah. And <laughs> mini disc and cart. We still had the cart system for some of the commercials. Sure. And they had a huge wall of records too, which was just really cool. And right. of course I had the, I think 11 o'clock to my first shift was 11 PM to, to, I think 4 a.m. or something, or 5 a.m. 2 to 6 a.m. Yeah. Which no one wants. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, so marketing is a, is a question. And we've actually, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, as a marketing company, we sometimes struggle to say what we are, too, which right. is terrible. Like, I almost want to pay a marketing company to come in and tell <laughs> us what, what we should do. But uh, um, hopefully none of our clients are listening to this. But, you know, we, we, we felt that, you know, when I started that marketing was what we were going to do. And that's what we do today. You know, I'd like to, I went back and forth back in the beginning to call ourselves a marketing company and advertising firm sounds cooler. Right. Um, and I, but I really like the the word, a creative company. And that's where we are. It's 2019. That's, that's who we, that's what we call ourselves. We're, we're a creative company. Now we do marketing. Um, and we went back and forth. We've had all kinds of things that we said that we were, you know, we're a full service agency. We tell your story, you know, all oh, those yeah. things that are your classic marketing, uh, creative companies. Um, but really what we say now is that we're a creative company um, and people generally go, oh, what's that? Yeah. And, and that's good because that's what we want. And, you know, in a perfect world, I really think that there's a service that we don't offer right now. I mean, we kind of do. Um, but a, a creative service is typically when people hire us, they're saying, well, that's why we have you guys, because you're creative and we don't think like that. Exactly. And and I this happened a few times and I finally started to realize that that's a real value add. And I and I think I take it for granted. And I tell my staff a lot. You know, we have a staff of 12 in, in Rio town here in Lansing. And I tell my staff a lot that we all take that creative piece for granted. We all wake up like that. Sure. It's just how we think. and It's a curse sometimes. But my wife, who's a PA uh, surgeon. She, she's not a creative thinker in that sense. She's medically creative, I guess. 
Um, but she's very black and white, very yeah. list driven where, you know, all of my staff, we just, we are creative. We can think of ways to solve problems. And um, so I think that's a real good description of who we are. Now we're a creative company that does marketing um, and marketing can be changes all the time. And so for us, it's web, web design, content, uh, inbound marketing, uh, digital ads, of course, and a ton of video production that we're right. doing and then logo and brands. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the first time that I came to your spot, I just recorded some voiceover, um, you know, when you were in a much smaller space and I yeah. really didn't get a scope of how big you are. And then when you moved to Rio town, I mean, you really have a full operation with, you know, a, a large staff doing all sorts of things. I didn't really realize that you had kind of or had that full scope of, yeah. of, of services that you offer to folks. Yeah, and a lot of people don't. That's our fault. And so we're really trying to work on 2019 because I think we really, we've, we do a ton of video. And so people just think that that's all we do. Right. But we do a ton. It's probably over half of our work. And I think everyone should have some sort of video um, production in their media package or their media plan for that year. Um, but, yeah, we have a staff of um, – 12 uh i think eight of them are now full-time and then four part-time right and then we have some um freelancers here and there but i think for the first time in our existence at michigan creative we really have i think the right people uh on the right bus like they say sure um and now we're starting to get our processes internally all figured out and trying to really get the word out there and define who we are and what we do and man, that's a learning process. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. It never stops. I mean, it's just like you get one process done. You're like, okay, we got to do this. So let's let's go back in time a little bit. Like you mentioned that you were at the University of Alabama, and then mm -hmm. you came up to East Lansing to finish school at Michigan State. Um, and you were in, you know, in a, a productive field, you know, working in audio and video, TV production stuff. But you ended up in the education field. Can you talk a little bit about how you got there and? How yeah. you got to where you are now. Most people who know me outside of Michigan Creative know me as an educator. Right. Mr. Town. I still get that. I had I was at Bigby down on Washington in Allegan the other day, and one of my former students was in there as a barista. She was like, Mr. Town. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't recognize that name anymore. Right. But, yeah, and it's funny because I had never went to school to be an educator either. Um, so I went to school, and I got a degree in telecommunication and film from Michigan State. And then my first job, I had a great internship at Home TV uh, over in Okemos at Meridian Township. Okay. Um, and then my first job out of college was working for the Waterford School District. But working with the Waterford School District, I was actually working for Comcast Cable. And that was back in the day, and most of this is gone now, when um, Comcast Cable was paid out of their franchise fees um, that you and I paid yeah, right. to do an educational access, a government access. Oh, yeah. And the, and the most famous public access. Yeah. That, that, boy, there were some interesting people and, and TV shows that we had. And we were in Waterford and Pontiac, and the Pontiac public access was something special. Fun, I bet. <laughs> yeah. And and you couldn't say no to stuff. I mean, right. there was very little things you could say no to because it was freedom of speech. Yeah. And so I didn't work much with the public access. My job was to work and got paid by Comcast to work as their educational liaison. Sounds fancy. Uh, to work with the Waterford schools. And uh, it was a great job because right away I got to work with the kids. They had, back then, Comcast gave them equipment. We had a full production truck. Right. And then just about a year later, I got a full-time job at Bloomfield Hills High School. Um, and I was their education coordinator, technical, I can't remember what the official title was, but 
I wasn't teaching the classes. I was, there was two teachers that were teaching video production. Okay. And I mean, we had a four camera production truck. Yeah, real operation. Thousand foot of real cable. And we were doing live hockey games and live football games and with commentators and replay. And my job was to work with the kids at night and help support the staff during the day to crew all these events, concerts, games. And so that's kind of how I got into the education piece. And, you know, I was only there for about a year and I was from the Hazlitt Lansing area. Yeah. And, um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really from there yet, I guess, but we, uh, we we went to East Lansing. I was from Jackson. Okay. And we were in Detroit at that time at Bloomfield Hill schools. And this job opportunity came up. A friend of mine sent me that Hazlitt schools was looking for to, with the new bond to start a TV program. Right. And they had built a brand new studio. And they needed someone to help run it and start some classes. And I got that job and I stayed there for, I think I was there for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Maybe so. I was in education for 17 years. I was at Hazlitt for 14. Okay. Yeah. So sure. that that was my career. All of a sudden I was a teacher. I had to go back to school to get my teaching certificate. Sure. Um, and then I was a television production teacher um, and, and ran that program. We took that to... The kids and I took that to national award-winning, one of the best stations in the uh, educational stations in the country, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, being an educator was was really fun, especially in that creative. It was one of those creative electives that everybody everybody wants to be there. Yeah, that's taking the class, and there aren't. I mean, there there aren't a lot of schools, at least in this area, that have full production studios, right? No, back then it was pretty popular. I think it's getting less and less. It's kind of one of those things that starts to go away, just like the trade. You know the um, some of the trades started to go away. Is that when budgets get cut, sure. it's the electives the that thing. go. Yeah. Um, but Okemos has had a pretty good program. East Lansing's done okay um, as well. And then you start to get out towards um, Northville and Detroit and those kind of areas. There's quite well, there's a few more money. Yeah, yeah. That there's quite sense. a few. And you know we were really proud of what we did there. The kids who didn't really have a place in school. Uh, found something they love to do, and then the kids that were really, you know, some of the honor roll kids and football players, those guys found something, creative outlet. Yep. You know, we've got kids that are working at HBO. I say kids, they're in their 30s now. Right. That are working at HBO and Sundance Films and, and out in Hollywood. Awesome. So there's just a great alumni of Hazlitt, Hazlitt Vision is what it was called, Hazlitt Vision TV. And is that is that still around? It is, like, yeah. Um, actually, it is. And they, after I left, it kind of went under for a little bit. Um, and they went through a couple people. Yeah. Finally found um, somebody to run that, and he's doing a great job. My son, who's a senior now, is actually in that TV program. Oh, that's now, cool. So that's cool, yeah. <laughs> um, so how many years in were you bef- when, before you thought, well, um, I want, might want to transition into something else? And, and when you were thinking about, maybe getting out of education, was it just, I'm going to start a side hustle and do something? Or was it like, I'm just going to go full bore into a new career? Well, if I could go back and do it again, like I say, two things um, is I wouldn't do anything different because we learned a lot through all the mistakes. Right. However, <laughs> I think I, cause what I did in 13 years in that summer, I talked to my wife and I just said, you know what? I'm not having fun anymore. Um, I, you know, I love the kids and I love the teachers I worked with. Um, it just didn't feel like I was doing a good a job as I could have. Yeah. And I felt that I needed to do something different. Um, and my wife luckily was working full time. I call her my sugar mama <laughs> <laughs> still to this day, honey. Um, and I just decided that summer to make a run at it. 
and I'd never run a business before. Yeah. Um, I had pretty good leadership skills, I think, because we were able to lead a group of high school students to do some cool stuff. I thought, well, if I can do that. Um, so just decided to make a run at, at small business ownership. Um, so this is back in the summer of 2011. Right. Um, and just, just up and put my resignation in and got an office that next week. <laughs> wow. So that's, that's yeah. a, a big leap. Yeah, it was. So yeah. did you have a business plan when you, when you did that? Or? Oh no. Huh? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have one now. Right. Really? I mean, I think I do. Um, so what was, what was your, the first thing that you want to do when you, when you started your own company? Like, yeah. Yeah. The... You know, and I, and I laugh at the business plan thing cause us creatives are not, that that's like bleh, for us, you sure. Know? But, yeah. But looking back, like I never, I always knew I'd do something in the creative space, and video was the first because that's what I was good at. Yeah. That you know, video was my whole life basically, and and but we just didn't have the, we we didn't have. I didn't feel at the time that we had enough capital to purchase the type of equipment that we needed. Yeah. And I just didn't think that video was enough. I thought we had to do something else. And so we decided that we're going to be Michigan Creative Media, which was going to be a marketing company and, and web design, even though, I mean, I didn't know how to do that stuff. Right. It's um, a big leap. It was. Yeah, it was. And and you know what? It wasn't even the marketing side of it and learning that. Uh, it was it was running a business that now what I tell entrepreneurs, the two things. One, the the, the basic business principles, which are still – you know, actable today. I, you know, I never thought that because we were creative, we were startup, we don't have to follow business sure. rules. But that's where I think one of our first mistakes is that we really had to figure out what it was to run a business. Um, and then secondarily is where, we, how are we going to make money? Yeah. We didn't really think about that. We just thought it would come and, and worry about culture and, and being creative and inspiring and those kind of things, which are all great. But, you know, now when I talk to entrepreneurs, I always tell them, you know, first and foremost, you've got to figure out where your money's going to come from today, uh, tomorrow, and, and three six months, months from now, yeah. six months from now. And and how is it always going to come in? Right. Um, and that's kind of what we didn't do at first. Um, and so it was hard. I remember that first week after I quit my job getting an office at the Innovation Center over in East Lansing, yeah. which was an incubator, which I still credit to this day that space and the people that we met there is a huge reason why we were successful. Um, but I remember going, Oh, look at me. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I've got this cool desk and I've got my own office. And then right. a month later I was like, what the hell did I just do? Yeah. You know, because you know, we didn't really know. And at that time we had just come out of the worst economic slump ever. Right. You know, not the best time, not the best time to start a business, but then also we could start to see that people were getting out of that you know, that and feeling a little bit better uh, about spending money. Um, so we kind of just did it and hired a, a part-time person and and here we are today, I guess. Yeah. And that's, um, I sort of want to touch on, so now you, you mentioned you have 12 employees, eight full-time, four part-time. Um, and a lot of this, the marketing stuff you didn't really have a handle on mm -hmm. when you started eight years ago. Um, so that, the learning process, um, must always be continuous there in this market. It just seems like there's always something, some new skill, some new technique, some, something new that you have to stay on top of to make sure that you guys are sort of at the cutting edge of your field. Yeah. Um, and what is, what is that like to, in terms of when you, when you bring employees into the fold, is it you're, you're grabbing expertise from 
from areas that you don't necessarily have personally, or you, you have a, like sort of a, a plan of where everybody needs to be. And, and then once you hire those people on to keep them hitting that next level, like how does, how does that process work? I guess. Yeah. We found that, you know, and it really depends. I think there's three different places you can look at this and, and, you know, one, we could talk solely about video and, and video for me is, is, and I think everything that we do, you always go back to the basics, you know, the basics of video and the right. basics of marketing is storytelling sure, and, and good script and good plan. And then, you know, that's always going to be there, but then there's always new techniques and uh, new equipment. Yeah. And so those are the things that we always have to get new shots, new things that we can do that other companies are doing. And so with our video staff, you know, we, we constantly always strive to, um, find ways to get better at the at the creative side of it and the digital side and how it looks. But there's also this other piece that I think is constantly evolving, which is how consumers are getting their information. And, you know, when we first started, we were telling people, yeah, we could make a video that's three minutes long, no problem. Right. But now somebody says that, I'm like, no way. No, no can't do that. We're not doing it. Yeah. You know, unless you have a captive audience and so that's changed. But, you know, now there's been talk about how longer form video could be, you know, successful in, sure. in a certain way. So I think that's the other piece to it. The other piece, I think, is, is really the internal process that, that we've all had to figure out as a company as you grow. You know, what happens when, you know, even from when a client calls, a new potential customer calls, and they're interested in, say, a website. What do we have to learn, whoever answers the phone, on on what questions to ask them to make sure that that lead is not just a potential lead, but a po- possibly qualified lead? Right. And what is that amount, you know? Because I think the hardest thing switch that we've made over the last year is making this decision of not to, we're not going to be the lowest in town. Yeah. We're probably not the highest, but we have to say no to certain things too, which is really difficult. Sure especially when you need cash. Yeah. When you're like, payroll's coming. Okay, I'll do that website for this, even though I'm not supposed to. Yep. So, but I think what what we've tried to stay on top of is trying to figure out how to get the right message to the right person at the right time. Yeah. And whatever way that might be, I think if you can solve that pro- problem first, then you can choose the particular way to get that to them. Um and it may not be something that we do. So there's, there's, I mean, there's thousands, there's, you know, there's IP targeting, there's, there's geofencing, right. there's, I mean, there's always a new thing that's the best way yeah, to do exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But what we found is the message that, that our customers like to hear now is that before we do any of that, before we just throw ads out to throw ads out, really we want to work on what is that message that you want them to hear and who do you want to hear it? Yeah. And that's really helped us is to really go back to that. And, you know, it's funny because there's really no difference. You read books back 20 years ago and you read guys today like Seth Godin and some of the other marketing gurus that are out there. You know, that message is never that idea behind marketing is the same. It was 60 years ago. Just the Mad Men era. Same yeah, thing. Same thing is it's, you know, how can you solve the customer's problem and, and how are they going to feel? Uh, when you do yeah and what's their pain that you're trying to solve and honestly we didn't i didn't really think about that until this year and you know end of last year because we were kind of just 
throwing stuff out there and, and that's kind of the way we were doing it. People needed ads, so we would do ads. And, yeah. You know, now I think we're really stepping back and asking customers, well, what is that message? And they typically go, oh, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so staying on top of that, and really to me, that was hard because that to me is a higher level of marketing. Yeah. And, and we just didn't have, not that my staff is not smart <laughs> or or not educated or not, not experienced. It's just that that's the high level marketing person. Yeah. You know, where, you know, we all had to read books and learn and, and do our due diligence, talk to some people that we know and really come back to the basics of what marketing is and how we can solve their customers' problems. Apply which then resource. It could be all, it could be web, web, it could be digital, it could be video, social media, um, or it could be just some new branding. Right. So I've heard you say this in, in meetings before where you, when you talk about your staff, you, you have a, is saying that's basically, I'm going to paraphrase, that you want someone to have a career with Michigan Creative that they can have for the rest of their lives, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's an and that's an, obviously an important thing for you as a business owner. Um, so to make that work, you, you continuously have to, to grow as a company. Yeah. And so you've obviously grown leaps and bounds from 2011. Um, in the next five years, say, what... What goals do you have for your for your firm in terms of growth and whether it's becoming a bigger company or whether it's um, getting better at what you do? Um, what what do you how do you see that mm-hmm. playing out? Yeah, and Seth, well, what I've said and is that you know I really believe a company's sole purpose is to improve the lives of people that work there. Right. And in a perfect world, I'd like to pay everybody more than what they're worth, and and they would never have to leave. And right. so far, we've done that. Now, I don't think they're getting paid probably exactly where they should be, but we're in reach. Yeah. Um, but in order to do that, in order to have that type of culture and to have that type of people who are as passionate as you are, you've got to you got to pay them. Yeah. In order to pay them, you got to have cash flow, and you got to have clients. So, what I think in the next five years, I think, I really think where we're headed, and we've had these discussions recently too about our company. And we and just last before Christmas we were saying, all right, it's time to redo our site, get our messaging on point for the next couple of years, um, and really decide who we are as a firm. And so the discussion was 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 are we Michigan Creative? And and if we're not, are we some other name that's a that could be a national name that doesn't have the word Michigan in it? Right. Um, or are we good enough with Michigan Creative? It's a great name. You know, we, until we've worked with every single company in Michigan or every single company in Lansing, uh, just Lansing, there's no reason to change our name. Right. Um, or uh, do we keep Michigan Creative and do Indiana Creative and Ohio Creative? Right. And, um, so I think what we came to is, nope, let's stick with Michigan Creative and let's just keep growing the best that we can. I think our goal for 2019 right now is to, to really work on getting retainer-based business um, that helps our cash flow. Yeah. We want 10 retainer-based clients um, that solves our cash flow issues. And then I think we have all the people that we need to get where we want to go. The only position that I think would be super helpful for us right now, and I just don't, right now it's not in the the budget to do it, is a full-time salesperson. Sure. Uh, Because we just don't have one. And and you'll find marketing companies of my size typically don't. And do you... So does that incumbent upon everybody to be a little bit of a salesperson, right? Um, 
So, you know, even here at Grassroots Midwest, I mean, we don't have necessarily have salespeople. But we all are. But you, you know, you sort of have to do that in your everyday sort of business, yeah. right? So everybody there has that in their heads. And, and it's great when you remind everybody and you have this big rah-rah and everybody starts to reach out and do that, but then they get busy. Yeah. Doing sales is tough. Yeah. People don't like to do it. It is tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, even for me as a CEO, which I think my only two jobs uh, at the company, I finally realized is, is one, to support my team in any way that I can. Basically answer questions is what I do for the most part. Yeah. And and rah-rah the team and things like that and try to be positive and then bring in money. Yeah. That's my only two roles. Um, but even I don't like doing it. Like, I, you know, I, I need to sit down for an hour a day and prospect. And, yeah. and for me, prospecting is just reaching out to people that already know us. Uh, but Michael on my staff does a great job with that, and so does Cassidy. Um, but again, when we get big contracts, that that thing goes away. Yeah. So to have somebody that their her or his job solely was to nurture and build leads. And when I say salesperson, I don't want somebody knocking on doors. I want somebody just to take all Michael's leads, all my leads, and all Cassidy's. Build those relationships. And, and just say, here's a Michigan yeah. Manufacturers Association magazine. Go call 10 of these people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that makes sense. I mean, you know, here, you know, Adrian is a natural salesperson. Yep. So he's he has lots of relationships where he can just cultivate those, and he's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, there are times when you pitch something and it goes well. And then it just doesn't go anywhere. Oh, my God. You know? It's the madness. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's just like we did a presentation. These guys got back to us. They liked what we did. Yeah. We put a proposal out there, and then it just didn't work. Yeah. You know, That's like, the story of my life. Yeah. So it's uh, – And the worst part is, is when you get really excited about it. It's like RFPs. Right. Piece of junk. Never do RFPs. But we do them because they're just so – it's like, ooh, look at all this money that you typically yeah. aren't going to get them. Right. But we had this one that was a huge video project for us, and we could totally handle the work. It was like $110,000, which for us is just a gigantic, you know, that's a huge proposal. Right. And we were almost for sure this was going to happen. Yeah. So much so, and this is terrible, that I was on BH Photo and Video putting stuff in my cart just so I could look at it because I knew what I was going to buy for the shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't buy it. You didn't buy it. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Because it didn't come through. And, right. and there was a totally legit reason. They they took it in-house, and they just – it was above her pay grade, and, and they did it in-house, and I totally understood it. But that was two months ago, and, hey, when this contract comes in, when this contract comes yeah. in, we had all these things that we were going to do. Yep. It's a hard trap not not to get into. It is. Um, and that's uh, – you know, you have to manage expectations and not count on something until it's – you know, until the contract is yeah. signed. You know, the best thing that we did, and I hope Greg's listening, but we, we over the last two years, we've been um, doing sales training. Was uh, It's called Sandler Training. Mm-hmm. It's a sales, pretty national, recognized franchise system. Right. We met Greg Coyne at a SBAM conference. And sure. he, he sold us. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is back when Melissa was still with us. And at first, it was expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's still, is, it, I don't want to say expensive. It's it's of high value. Right. Um, but now we, we have done it for two years, and we have sales training that all three of us go to once a week, um, and then he comes and sees us. And I think what that's helped us do is close more sales. Right. And I think the biggest thing, what we were doing that was a mistake is we were, we'd get a phone call like that, and, and we'd be really excited about it, even a small thing, and then we'd write a proposal up and email it to him. Yeah. 
And that's a that's a no no. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that we always did and never thought there was any way to do it differently. Now, before we write a proposal, what what that sales process has taught us is we we typically can get a budget. Yeah. We typically can get next steps, which are next steps are either a we're going to meet. I'm going to show you this proposal together. Right. Or or we're going to set up a phone call. I'm going to get you on the phone and then I'm going to email it to you while we talk about it. Yeah, we just walk, walk you through it. And and that we have decision maker in the room. But getting, you know, asking questions like where your budget is, is was, was I didn't think was allowed. Sure. Which sounds stupid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what did, what do your parents teach you to do? Don't don't talk about money and, and don't talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what are you doing in sales? Yeah. You're talking about money to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, but now it's really easy. And I can qualify somebody. Matter of fact, somebody called this morning, and I said our web prices start around thirty five hundred. Yeah, and she's like, "That's probably right in the ballpark." Um, and I said, "And you know, we have a hosting fee and some other things that we can do for you." Um, and so, if I come in at five something, is that going to be okay for you? She's like, "Yeah, I think so." And I'd never met her, mm-hmm. um, but now I know that when I send her that proposal, I know that it's not. The question is not going to be it's not in the budget, yeah. which is an easy disqualifier for somebody. Right. Just say, ah, oh, we didn't have the money. Yep. Um, and so for us to get a budget and to get expectations of what clients are asking, like ans- asking this simple question is, uh, at the, how are you going to know which, which quote to choose? Or how are you going to know which company to go with? And if I wrote you a perfect proposal, what would it look like? Right. Like I never thought you could ask those questions. Yeah. But then what happens is you leave those meetings – that you have the number ish, you have what they're looking for in a proposal, and you have what they're looking for to decide to pick you. Yeah. So your chances of closing that go up. Yeah. Now it's not foolproof, but nothing is. No. But those kind of things really helped us. And then the other thing with sales is that we sometimes forget to ask for referrals. Gotcha. And and it just why this never made sense to me in the past, I don't know. But our sales guy asked us how many you know referrals did you get last year, and I'm like, oh, we got quite a few. I think twenty something, thirty. I don't remember. Right. He's like, well, that's pretty good. He's like, how many of those twenty did you ask for? And I'm like, I didn't ask None. for any of them. Yeah. He's right. like, well, why not? I'm like, well, that's a really good point. So if there's people out there that like what you do, yeah, and know you and trust you and you've done work for them or just like you as a person, call them up and say, hey. You know, I know you liked working with us in the past, and we've done some good work. Do you know anybody that we should talk to that could use us? Yeah. And typically, they're really happy. Sure. Because they're gonna, they can call a friend and say, "I got somebody for you." Right. They look good. You look good. And it's no, you know, it's basically not a proposal. It's just, hey, we're ready to do work. Right. Yeah. So that's something for sales that I have to consistently remember to do on a weekly basis. Yeah. I mean, it's it's simple, but it makes sense. Yeah. And it's hard to do. You got to put it on the calendar. Like, yeah. Sounds like an easy win, but you're like, if I don't put that on the calendar, I'll never remember to do it. Ain't gonna it. happen. Um, so, last question. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Mid Michigan Lansing uh, area. Mm-hmm. I'm from here. Uh, I grew up uh, in Mason, and then left Michigan in 2001. Moved back right around the beginning of 2016. So, when I came back, it was you know I could tell that Lansing had changed for the better there's some things happening there's more app you know restaurants bars things like that but just more opportunities to do sort of fun stuff 
in Lansing, right. which growing up was basically nil, you know, especially, you know, there were some things in downtown, you know, where your guys are at in Rio town. And then, um, old town is obviously another spot that where, where there's been a lot more economic development. So now that you're over in Rio town, you know, you've, you've been there for how many years now? A couple years, three years. Yeah. This will be our second full year. Okay. Yep. It seems like there's some kind of community there with a lot of newer yep. establishments. Is this someone who's been working in Lansing for a number of years? Do you feel like this is like a trend that's going to continue? Or is this just sort of a strange cycle where Lansing's doing better than it ever has? No, I, I and I love that question because I just, I think if you really look at Rio Town to kind of get an idea of where, where things are heading, I think it's a good example. Now, Old Town did this 15, 15 years ago. Yeah. Where maybe 20, now I'm not real sure on Old Town, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't want to go down to Old Town. No. Um, six, seven years ago, you, Rio Town, the pub was there. Um, there was a few other establishments there, but that was about it. Yeah. You know, seven, eight years ago, Rio Town, you, there'd be no reason for you to go down there. There was nothing there. Um, now you look at Rio Town, and, and, and I heard somebody say this. I can't remember who it was, but if you start to look at where the creative folks go, and not us. I'm not talking about us, but creative food, um, entrepreneurs, creative arts. Yeah. If you start to look where those things start to come up, then you can get a pretty in- good indication of where things are going to start to develop. Yeah. And I think Old Town is a really good example of that. Um, and then Rio Town is really good too. Whereas you look at Saddleback Barbecue. Yeah. And then I think that really started to bring people down there um, that had never been to Rio Town before. Yeah. And they were like, what is this place? And they started to see these buildings that were just outdated and not built in. And they're like, huh, I wonder if these are for sale. Yeah, right. And they may not have come down there if it wasn't for that. And then the Board of Water and Light, you know, builds their right. place down there. And then um, Blue Owl Coffee and Us and yep. the Robin Theater and Good Truck and Diner and all these places. You know, Good Truck and Diner was there and the pub was there. But now people know about the pub. Right. And now people know about the diner. Yeah, I didn't. You know, when I came back, I think Good Truck and Diner, my then girlfriend, now wife, took me there. And yep. then I was like, oh, I never knew about this place. Right. Like, And that's what Blue Owl Coffee is doing, too, yeah. is, is they're starting to bring people down to Rio Town that wouldn't go, typically, because they had never heard of it. Pablo's is coming in. There's offices across the street. Oh, Pablo's from... Yeah, from, from Old, Old Town. Town. He's building, um, he's been doing this for five years. But okay. right. there's a, a gas station there that I call the Mexican gas station. I know, I know what you're talking it, about. It looks like a Mexican yeah. gas station. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be Pablo's. Okay, gotcha. Um, which is great. And I think, you know, it's just these little things that start happening that are in, indicators of, of what's coming. Sure. And so I think Rio Town is now on the map because of slow growth. And then another interesting thing to start watching is I think Michigan Ave. Yeah. And, and the chamber and, and leap and all these people talk about the corridor, yeah. which I never really thought about. But if you think about that corridor, I mean, it really goes from, let's say, I mean, you could say Williamston, but that's quite a ways. Yeah. Williamston, the Meridian Mall, Okemos area, campus, right. East Lansing. And now what's happening on Michigan Ave with the new apartments that the Gillespie company is doing. Right. And then the Gillespie groups building a mire there. Yeah, that's right. That's going to be big. And for the first time. Ever, there's a downtown grocery store yeah I, I mean if that's not an indicator of of what's common i think that's it because you know you look in detroit and you look in in lansing it it still is a food food desert it is For, there, there's no grocery store by my house yeah and i live in a pretty 
cool neighborhood. Yeah. Should be, should be one there, but there just yeah. isn't. You can't walk to it. I mean, you can't. And think about, you know, us, we're lucky we have transportation. Yeah. Um, but those people who do not and have to rely on public transportation, I mean, really, they're talking Frandor, Kroger. Right. Um, or the Kroger down on Washington. Uh, but those are not walkable. Yeah, no. And so now having a, a place that's walkable um, is going to bring people downtown. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, we see all these new apartments going up and yeah. we see some old buildings going down. A lot of people are negative on them. But uh, I think those of us that are and, – and not to say that the people who don't want to keep old things in Lansing uh, don't know what they're talking about because I get it. You know, you're seeing some of these old buildings go down. I understand it. Um, however – I think by bringing more people downtown that want to live in apartments in a city yeah, um, are going to revive those neighborhoods, which is already happening. And just think about, you go downtown and obviously we have state government here. So yep. there's there's tons of restaurants and bars that and coffee shops that do business from 9 to 6, 30 or 9 to 7. Yeah. Go, go there on the weekend. It's a ghost town. Yeah. Washington Ave is packed at lunch. Right. Um, and then on five o'clock on Friday, it's a ghost town. So bringing a mire down there yep. and building housing down there, you know, a lot of those businesses can stay open. And how many close? I mean, you you have businesses that'll close after nine months down there. Well, yeah. look at what? Yeah, like Washington. Washington. There's been I don't know twelve bars and restaurants that have opened closed in the last three years. Probably right. the only places that can really do well there are the lunch places right now. Yeah, but you're right, and you know, I think places like the Green Door. And uh, I think it's the Av, who yeah, have been right. there for a while. They're probably really excited about that coming. Yeah, I imagine. Um, because, you know, we haven't had a vibrant corridor where people are living on Michigan Ave ever. I know. I'm excited. And so the venue's done that. And, yeah, so I think things are moving forward. And I think we're all a little bit worried. And, you know, we work a lot, as you do, with the skilled trades and manufacturing. And, oh, yeah. and everybody still has, and the financial guys and girls will tell you, well, something's coming. We just don't know when. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we've had a run of uh, the longest stretch ever in an economic up upside, uh, 11 years, 12 years, something like that. Right. Something's coming, and so people are worried. I, I just don't, I don't see it. Um, I think I think Lansing in five years, I think people are going to come back uh, when they left after graduating from college from Michigan State and go, huh, I could probably raise a family here. Right. And I think they're starting to do that already. It's funny because when I was a teacher at Hazlitt, all the kids would always be like, I can't wait to get out of here. Yeah, oh, yeah. All of them have kids and family and they're back here right now. Oh, right. (laughs) They're all back here because they got to be next to grandma and grandpa and they they know the value of our schools. And I think Lansing with our new mayor and the superintendent at Lansing Schools, I think think if we can get the funding worked out uh, for the schools, you know, we've got to have a a strong uh, Lansing City School District. I think that affects a lot more than people understand. It does. Um, both in the outlying districts too. Um, I think we got to have a strong center city school and I think we're getting there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. I thought thanks. that was a good conversation. Yeah, it was awesome. So thanks for coming in again. This has uh, been Brian Town with Michigan Creative. This is Ticket Splitters, a grassroots Midwest podcast. Thanks.